This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of What Is the Arsenal News Show. Join you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, as always, for making this part of your morning routines. It is very much appreciated. I hope that you've had a fantastic start to your day. And I hope that, of course, that you're going to be looking forward to tonight's game as well, because Arsenal take on Sevilla in the Champions League with an opportunity potentially to even progress. I mean, four games in, we could be topping, not topping the group, but certainly progressing at this point. Uh, should results go our way and Lens and PSV draw with one another whilst Arsenal win, it sets Arsenal up to be in a very, very favourable position indeed uh, to effectively qualify to the knockout rounds of the Champions League. Considering where we were after you know, two games when we lost at Lens. Very, very interesting indeed that all of a sudden, um, you know, all of a sudden we've got uh, a situation where we might be able to qualify as well. Right then, uh, shall we jump into the chat box, guys? Um, let's go into things. And uh, I can already see people are scared, scared in the chat box, scared that uh, that StreamYard has mugged them off. And they're right to be scared because uh, the very, very the likelihood is that it certainly has. Um, oh, Dave, good morning to you, to Jimbo, to Pete Who, Good morning. Uh, good morning to Vala. Good morning to Amira. Uh, good morning to who else have we got? Shari. We've got Mark. We've got Mr. Ree. Uh, we've got Martin. We've got uh, Sabre. John Rocks, uh, plenty more of you guys and girls as well. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, just highlighting some of the people joining in uh, as we speak now. Thank you, guys. Uh, very much appreciated. Um, people are getting left off. I can already see people moaning. Uh, it's the way that it goes, I'm afraid. Not even YouTube saves you now. I scroll up on YouTube and it doesn't even show me who was first in the list either. So sorry about that, guys. Uh, I... <laughs> I have absolutely uh, no way of, of of showing you, I'm afraid. Um, right, uh, shall we jump into today's stories? Because we've got a lot of things to discuss uh, on match day. First of all, uh, I was at Mikel Arteta's press conference yesterday uh, at London Colney to discuss uh, what was obviously a very interesting uh, response to the latest regarding his Words after the Newcastle game. Just to touch on some team news. He says, Gabriel Jesus won't be fit with Martin. It's still uncertain. He said, the rest, no news so far. And I'll tell you why that no news so far comment was not entirely accurate in a little bit, as we found out literally hours after the press conference. But uh, obviously, the, the meat and potatoes, if you like, of the press conference was, of course, um the 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 reaction to his comments at Newcastle he says it is my duty to stand in front of you to stand in front of the cameras and give a very clear and honest assessment of what happens in the game this is what i did reflect very openly how i felt that the team played and how they how the game was conditioned by this result with the decisions that were made it's the duty my duty is defending my players supporting my players supporting my club defending my people in the best possible way and this is what I'm going to do time after time. I do it in the way I feel with the evidence and being as clear as possible and I always do it. 
And we played brilliantly to say that when we lost to take my responsibility. The first one, me to do it. It's the way that I am and I have to defend my club. Um, so very strong statement and it, and it didn't end there. It continued onwards and he was asked about whether he was angry about just the goal or whether it was like a build-up um, of uh, Damesh from Sky asked this question about whether it was a build-up of, uh, of issues as well, which is something that a lot of fans have wanted to know from Arteta specifically about that. And he says, some things don't happen overnight. When it was uh, when it was that clear that I had all the evidence for the words that I used in the media, it's because I feel strongly about them. One thing is what I say externally, but internally to my players is about how can we play better? How can we be more dominant? How can we do the game the way we want to give no chance to the opponent? One thing is my duty toward you guys, and then my duty as a coach to do what we have to do. This is exactly what I've done. Nothing special, nothing different, and I would do it, and the club would do it again and again until this is right, until this is right. We have to be better on the pitch and win more football games. That's it. Uh, he didn't really want to talk specifically about why he thought the goal should be disallowed. He just wanted to move on to Sevilla uh, and was asked about the importance of winning against Seville to qualify for the knockout stage. I did see a tweet from somebody that I did reply to saying that it was inaccurate, suggesting that there were no questions about Sevilla. That's not true. Also, this is the first part of the press conference. It's worth pointing out what you hear and read in that section is a, is a part one. There is a part two and sometimes even a part three of press conferences that are later released. So there was a, a later release last night at 10.30. I had my question uh, involved in the second part uh, of that press conference as well. We'll talk specifically about what that was uh, very, very shortly. But uh, yeah, certainly uh, suggestions that there were no questions about uh, the uh, the game against Sevilla weren't true. Um, and uh, there were questions specifically about the game. He said, the moment that you have a chance in football to put it to bed, do it. We have to do it a lot of things right tomorrow to earn the right to win and against a really good team with enormous experience in this competition. And we have to prove it tomorrow in front of our people, how excited we are to play that game and what it means for us. Now, to move on to uh, Martin Erdegaard, he says, and uh, was asked by a Norwegian journalist uh, about his situation, about being called up to Norway, despite the fact that the games for Norway aren't particularly important to our understanding. I think the journalist said they were meaningless. Um, but he said, Martin loves to play for his country, and every time that he's been called up and been fit, he's been there. And he will be there if that's the case. And that those words of, if that's the case, uh, are the important ones. He's not expected to be in the squad tonight. It might even be a little bit surprising if we see him uh, in the game this weekend as well. Uh, the Norwegian national coach was speaking out and said that there was some concerns whether or not he would even be available for the international break. So if that's the case, we will have to wait and see whether or not Martin Odegaard is fit enough for the weekend. But there are serious doubts that he will indeed be ready for that game now uh, as this situation has seemingly developed uh, over the last few days. Um, he was asked about the impact of the club's statement. Um, he was also asked about kind of the dangers, if you like, of, of what was said. Um, specifically, like Gary Neville was, was brought up, of course, as well. Uh, he says, I think that support that we have given to everybody and I continue to do that, that's not going to change. I'm going to be there. If I have to talk to anybody, I will be in any meeting trying to reinforce everything. We all want the same, but we have to understand that there that it has to be there. And if you guys and everybody in football wants us to be there, we have to give our opinion and we have to hear our opinion in an honest and clear way. Uh, I don't talk about other things. Be clear and honest, very respectful, but clear and honest and value what we have and make sure that we continue evolving the game the way we want. That's it. So uh, obviously there was a second part to this press conference that uh, went out late last night around 10.30 UK time. In it uh, was was my question that I asked to Mikel Arteta. Uh, I asked specifically about kind of the Champions League. I asked about, if you remember, Gabby Jesus spoke about how the players had been playing the Champions League theme tune in the dressing room before the first game against PSV. And I was curious if that kind of excitement and something almost like they can't believe they're going to be involved in this competition has now kind of worn off and now they feel as though they are very much part of this tournament he says well obviously the excitement enthusiasm to play the competition is driving a lot of that energy and passion that you see in those games and this is great but as well I think they show a lot of maturity to manage the games in certain moments when it's very necessary in Europe and so far we've done it really well and I also asked about how tricky that it is to have two good players in every single position when you're in a competition like the Champions League, which, of course, 
means that you really have to be playing your strongest team. Now, Arteta replied by saying, well, I think that this squad availability is really important to allow you to do those changes. At the moment, we have five or six injuries and then obviously the capacity to rotate in certain moments, even in the cups, is more limited. So when you have 22 outfield players fit and available, it's easier. And at the moment, it's a bit trickier. And I think that's a really important point, obviously, about the fact that, you know, we're without Partey, we're without Timber. Uh, we've lost Nketiah for this game, which we'll talk about shortly as well. Erdegaard is also out at the moment as well. And we've been losing other players like Trossard and Martinelli previously too. Um, and I agree with that. I think it is important to have that strength and depth in case you have injuries. But of course, it does become very difficult to maintain and sustain certain positions. In particular, I mentioned Raya and Ramsdale, which he didn't touch on specifically in his answer. But I think it certainly is um, very, very important to make sure that you've got strength and depth. But it's also very difficult to sustain that strength and depth because of the availability of minutes to players. If indeed you have a very fit squad, which at times we have done this season, then at other times like now, we haven't. So that was Arteta's press conference. Now, the FA are set to write to Arsenal asking for their observations after Arteta's comments at Newcastle. There's no suggestion that a charge is going to be in place yet. As far as we're aware, he will indeed be on the touchline tonight. And at the moment, he will be on the touchline against Burnley at the weekend as well. But we're not aware of what Arsenal intend to respond to this uh, this letter. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what indeed happens with that. Uh, I, I hope that we get a really positive um, response from this and I hope that we can move forwards and that the comments are used as kind of a building block rather than something that was used to instead, I guess, um, undermine uh, the, the FA. But yeah, let's see how indeed we respond to this one. I also chatted to Takahira Tomiyasu as well, um, the a Japanese international spoke to the media after the game. He was, uh, it was very interesting actually to kind of hear him talk about VAR um, and talk about um, specifically the the use of the technology and whether or not it's helping. Uh, he was asked whether or not he thinks that VAR is is helpful, to which he was like, I, I, I don't know. Uh, and it's not really for him to say, uh, which was very intriguing indeed, because from a player's perspective, it must be very, very frustrating to to have to deal with what's going on on the field and have to deal with the uh, uh, the waiting and the, you know the, the constant un unassuredness that, that VAR brings right now. I asked him uh, about the rise of of Japanese footballers in in England with Matoma and Endo, of course, moving to. To, to, to good Premier League teams this season. And he spoke about how the fact that there is obviously also uh, lots of Japanese players in Europe as well, and that they're currently six games, six, seven games unbeaten in the national side. I asked him whether or not uh, he'd recommended any Japanese players to, to Mikel Arteta uh, when he arrived at Arsenal. And he said, not recently, but he said that in his first season, he did, but he wouldn't tell me who that person was. Uh, he was very, very astute in his answers, very well thought out in his answers. And uh, I completely respect not wanting to make public who it was he recommended to Arteta that Arsenal should sign. So that can get you conspiracy theories going about who Tomiyasu might have wanted Arsenal to sign when he arrived at Arsenal in 2021. Now, obviously, the big news of yesterday's training session, of which I was present for, was that uh, Eddie Nketiah was missing for the game. That is a huge blow for us. It means that both Gabby Jesus and Nketiah, our natural starting strikers, are out. Uh, the expectation from my end, I think, is probably that we'll likely see Leandro Trossard play with Martin Erdegaard's injury issues continuing as well. Kai Havertz might be able to play, but because we've got no Smith-Rowe, um, I think Kai Havertz will probably continue to play in an attacking midfield role while Martin Odegaard is out ahead of the game against Burnley this weekend to kind of, again, re-familiarise, continue to familiarise himself with that role. So I guess we'll have to wait and see whether or not that is uh, that is going to happen. Um, and that brings us to an end of part one. So we're going to move to part two now and your questions right after this. Okay, uh, shall we start part two? Um, and uh, let's hope that we can get some of your thoughts and your your queries and theories and questions into the chat box. Uh, that'd be great to see. Um, let's jump then. Uh, I mean, first of all, and it's something I tweeted yesterday, and it's something I'm going to work on. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, I did an interview actually yesterday. Um, I did an interview last week that went out yesterday with uh, Laura Woods, the new TNT Champions League uh, presenter. 
And uh, in that interview, I noticed how much I close my eyes when I talk. And it's not just in that interview. I do it all the time. And it's something I'm now very conscious about. And if you remember, when I started the channel, I used to use the words and whatnot all the time. I think I often, you know, use words over and over again. Uh, I get hooked to them. Um, and so I find myself overusing them sometimes. But uh, I'm going to try and look more at the camera and not like just as if I'm falling asleep. Yes, I do work really long hours uh, doing two jobs effectively. But uh, it's nothing to do with being tired. I think it's just one of those ticks of being uh, on camera a lot. So we're going to try and uh, focus specifically on not uh, doing that. Uh, Darren says, when is the next phone-in show? Um, I haven't uh, I haven't got a, a schedule yet for the next phone-in show. Um, there could be news about that in the near future. Of course, I want to do more of them. It's difficult uh, because, obviously, I'm at the game tonight. I was at the press conference yesterday. I was out last uh, night with some friends. Uh, tomorrow on Thursday, uh, I'm also out in the evening. So it's it's difficult to sometimes fit them in. Hopefully, we'll be bringing you more. Uh, hopefully, there'll be opportunity next week, early next week after the weekend's matches to have a phone-in show. So I look forward to hopefully doing one of those next. So, Darren... Uh, make sure you stay tuned because we will have news on phone-ins very soon indeed. Um, Samal says, hey, Tom, how did they decide which questions go into part one, two or three of a press conference? Is it based on the questions asked and what type of information they want embargoed? No, there's not any kind of like pre-planning of press conference questions. Um, you don't submit questions. You just like uh, so there's a, a person that's always with uh, Arteta during press conferences and they will point to uh, a reporter. Uh, Sky usually go first. Um, that's just the, kind of the done thing. Um, so it was Darmesheth yesterday. And usually then it's TalkSport that follows. Um, and it was uh, Ian Abrahams, of course, doing the TalkSport. And then it's kind of like you point to, to people in the room or you raise your hand and you get questions asked. And then after that uh, live section finishes, they then have a, a, a section for the later on in the evening around 10.30 on a uh, if it's for a, a pre-match press conference. And then there's sometimes for the morning slots, so there'll be more quotes coming out around 12 o'clock today uh, as well. So uh, yeah, it's not pre-decided. It's just the only thing that is pre-decided is obviously that Sky and TalkSport go first. And then it's kind of a, a bit of a free-for-all more so afterwards. And it's up to the discretion of the person uh, running the presser who gets asked those those next questions. So it's, uh, it's not about... I guess, obviously, you're always going to get team news and response to the big breaking stories from, from the first few questions that are asked. That kind of sets the tone. So when... Usually, if I'm in a press conference, we're quite fortunate that we're in the live section. Usually, I wasn't yesterday because it was just so busy. You had basically every outlet there. Um, and because of that, of course, it meant that... Uh, I, I waited until the the embargoed section to to get a couple of questions in, um, but yeah, there's no it's not um, pre decided what questions uh, are really going to be asked. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, Semal gives you some insight into that. Uh, Nathan says, "Fun fact: Did you know Martinelli, Saka, and Jesus have not started a Premier League game together yet? Uh, when this happens, our fluidity will return. Did they not start the Chelsea game together? I thought they started the Chelsea game um, together. I might be wrong." They also started the the Champions League game. I know it's not a Premier League game, but I thought it was... Uh... Let me have a quick look. Chelsea 2, Arsenal 2. What was our front three? That day? Oh, I don't want to watch the highlights. Show me the team. Come on. It's being so slow this morning. Uh, line up. He's done it again. It's taken me to YouTube every single time. Just, just show me the teams. There we go. Jesus, Saka, Martinelli. Yeah, we used them against Chelsea. Um, that's the only time that we've used... Uh, all three uh, against uh, uh, this season in a Premier League game in the 2-2 draw against Chelsea. And Gabriel Jesus was not, you know, he was not that good. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that, that necessarily it's like a massive thing right now. Obviously, we're missing Jesus and we might be much better with him, but it's not like we've got evidence that this game in particular showcased what we've been missing so far. Um Let's go to the croc who says, Tom, did you watch the Milan PSG match? Why is Rafael Leao never in the conversation? I'll have him over Tony. I think he's just one uh, point down less in terms of quality than Ozzyman. Uh, he's just signed a brand new deal with AC Milan. So the expectation is he's going to stay with AC Milan for quite an extended period of time. So we're not expecting uh, we're not expecting him to, to to move on or anything like that. So, yeah, uh, I don't certainly expect him to... To, to leave AC Milan, but he was in the conversation a little while ago, but ever since that new deal, it's not likely that he will be leaving Milan anytime soon. I did watch the goal show yesterday, last night. Uh, with I always think the goal show is one of the best programs out there for covering football uh, with AC Jimbo and Jules and James. Uh, Jermaine Genius was on it this time. You know, I'm not always the biggest fan of JJ, but 
um, and, and his views on especially Arsenal. But he was he was quite good last night. Uh, so yeah, and Rafa Honigstein, of course, as well. Fantastic show, and uh, and certainly worth watching during those group stage nights. Um, let's go to. Um, Tom says, did you get to most ask the most important question, which is, who's a good girl? Uh, to, of course, Win the Dog. Win the Dog wasn't there yesterday, sadly. Uh, I've now met Win the Dog. I'm very happy to meet Win the Dog. Uh, those that are in our Discord server have seen the picture of Win the Dog um, that proved that I certainly did meet Win the Dog. Um, but yeah, uh, no, Win was not at the press conference yesterday. She must have been on a walk or something, but she wasn't there. Uh, Edu was there, though, in the press room uh, yesterday. It was quite interesting, as was Tim Lewis. Uh, they were both away to Mikel Arteta. They left after his presser started, but they were in there at the start of the of the press conference. Uh, Amira says, so for press conference where you get to interview players too, how far in advance do you know which player it will be? Any idea on how the club picks which player gets chosen? So for match days, um, it's not usually pre-decided. Um, usually we get, sometimes you get brought a player, sometimes you have to try and get lucky and stop a player. But for the Champions League press conferences, always, you know, or the European press conferences, there's always a player that is with, uh, that's either with or before or after Arteta. Usually for a pre-match, uh, they're at home, they're separate. When they're away from home, I think they might be done together. Um, I haven't been to an away press conference yet uh, in Europe, so I'm not sure how that one will work. But uh, there is... Um, yeah, they're, they're done after. So we find out usually the day of uh, before the press. So we don't. We usually know before the player comes out. So you've got a bit of an opportunity to think about what questions you might want to ask. Um, but uh, we don't have any idea about who or why is chosen for the day. It's also not like an indication that they're starting because Gabriel Martinelli has done one and then not started the following day. So it's not always a bit of a hint that, that they're going to be playing in the game either. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Tommy Asu will play. I think Tommy Asu will play, but I don't think that's it was any indication that he was or was not playing. Um, Phillips says, Tom, I think we need two players in January if possible, but for this to happen, we need to sell or loan. What three players would you pick? I mean, the idea that we're going to get two or three players in January, I think is kind of fanciful. I don't think, I mean, we'd be lucky to have one coming in January, in my view. I just can't foresee Arsenal having the money that's needed uh, and the space in the squad that's needed to bring in the amount of players that, that people think that we need. So who do I think we would go for? I can't pick three because I don't think it'll be three. I'd like to see a, a midfielder come in. I know a lot of people like to see a forward come in. Um, I think a midfielder is, is really important because Thomas Partey's fitness is simply not up to standard. Um, and he's not available enough. So I'd bring in kind of a box-to-box -box midfielder uh, that can add something on where Xhaka was previously playing. And I also think if we could bring in a second, then it would be a, a forward, probably a wide player to bring competition to Pakai Saka's position, who's versatile enough to play in other forward roles as well. But the idea of going for a striker uh, is just not, uh, I don't think, a, a realistic um, situation for January. I think a striker is far more likely in the summer but not in this January window. Maybe alone, uh, says another anonymous man. So, yeah, maybe alone will be what we we end up moving for. Um, Vanderjuty says, did you listen to Keith Hackett talking on Harry's Chronicles of Aguna? It was a great guess uh, and a loss that he isn't involved in the game. Uh, it's certainly on my listening record for this morning as I travel up to London, so I'm going to be catching up on it. But I have heard very good things. Harry, of course, produces some fantastic content on his channel, Chronicles of Aguna, so make sure if you're not subscribed that you are. And I don't think I've ever offered up publicly my congratulations to Harry on hitting 30,000 subscribers either. So a massive congratulations to Harry on hitting 30K. Well deserved. Uh, I joined him on his TalkSport show, of which, again, another massive congratulations for now hosting his own radio show on TalkSport too. Brilliant. Uh, achievement for Harry. Uh, he works exceptionally hard and deserves all of the flowers that he gets. So yes, the uh, the Keith Hackett interview is on my listening record for this morning uh, and I'll be enjoying it, I'm sure, on the way up to the Emirates a little bit later on this afternoon. Um, Martin says, I emailed Sky Sports yesterday calling out Dermot Gallagher's hypocrisy uh, regarding his quoting of the laws of the game when it suits and not when it doesn't. I was very critical um, of Gallagher's words in the Ref Watch show that they did. I just felt it was inaccurate. Um, and, and I agree with Martin. I don't think it was consistent. I don't think you'll get a response. I'd be very surprised if you got any kind of response. But uh, um, stand by your values. If you feel like you want to complain about something, I'd, you know, I'd be wrong of me to tell you me tell you that you that you couldn't. Um, King says, Tom, should we try Zinchenko in midfield as he's a very good passer and could help us uh, in building uh, through chance creation? Yes. Uh, I think it's certainly something that is feasible. I think it's something that is possible. I think it's something that maybe we could try because Tommy Asu's proven to be very consistent at left back and maybe playing Rice and Zinni together would be something that we could 
that we could look to do. So yeah, I'm I'm for this idea, King. I think it's something that we need to consider trialing at some point. Uh, Mark says, can you say something about the latest on the return dates of Partey and Jesus? And what about Saka's fitness? Saka's fitness, have he trained yesterday? There's been no, you know, nothing said about Saka not being fully fit or not fully available already. He just has been a bit off it in terms of form recently. On Jesus, he was called up to the Brazilian national side. He's not expected to be in the group for today's game. He wasn't training yesterday. Whether or not he trains ahead of the game against Burnley, we'll have to wait and see. But he has been called up for the Brazilian national side. Um, I don't know whether that's an indication of whether he's going to be fit before the international break. It's it's really not something that we know too much about at the moment. Um, but whether or not that means is a good indication that we might see him after the international break, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, of course, Partey, there's expectation that he could be out until maybe even the end of the year. Uh, John Cross of the Mirror reporting that story. Um, so I have no reason to not believe that's the case. So yeah, we might be missing Partey for quite a considerable period of time. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's jump into some more questions, shall we? Uh, Matt G says, Tom, how much are you looking forward to the January window and having to do daily shows talking about Ivan Tony? As I've said before, you know, if, if Ivan Tony signed by Arsenal, I'm going to back the guy and hope he succeeds. I hope he proves me wrong. You know, I am a little bit bored of talking about it, <laughs> but, uh, it's part and parcel of the Arsenal discussion. Uh, I have my views on it. You guys know my views on it. I'm not going to bore you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. With them again, um, but of course I do expect him to become a, a hot topic of discussion as we close in on the January transfer window. Of course, when we hit December, the Arsenal transfer show will start back up at 8am. It will merge from the Arsenal News Show into the Arsenal Transfer Show, as we always do. So make sure you uh, keep staying in tune with our 8am. So it's certainly going to be worth it. Um, let's go to John, who says, Hi, Tom, did Laura Woods happen to mention me? And if not, why didn't? Did you ask about me to her? John, Laura is a very professional journalist and was fantastic to talk to on the topic of the Champions League uh, about Arsenal. And I certainly recommend that you go and give uh, that interview a watch. It's on the Arsenal way. You can go and find it there. I recommend that you do so. Um, but she was very, very nice indeed. Um, Laughing Man says, ask Arteta uh, why he made subs so late. Trossard, uh, how, how brought on subs in the 62nd and they scored two minutes later. I mean, you'd have to ask it in a certain way. I mean, if you're going to ask the question, why did you make the sub so late? I, I imagine he'd just turn around and say something along the lines of, because I'm the manager and I can decide when I want to make the substitutions. Uh, people send me a lot of tweets quite often saying, why don't you ask this? Why don't you ask that? And it's, it's because you have to be really, you have to be really um, thought through with what you're going to ask. Because there are, you know, if you're in a position where you can ask five, six questions like Sky and Talksport can, you know, you can sometimes ask the obvious um, that you don't think you're going to get an answer to, um, in the hope that you do because you've been able to get the questions. But when you get one or two questions in a press conference, you know, if that doesn't get an answer, it's it's a bit of a, it's it's a blow, you know. So you want to make sure your questions are well thought through. Um, so that you're not in that position. I just think that sometimes when I get tweeted things like, I, why don't you ask this? Why don't you about ask this transfer? We're linked with this guy. Ask about him. Well, first of all, transfers, you're never going to get, ever, ever, ever going to get him to talk about a specific name. You have to be really, um, you know, considered with your question regarding transfers for it to get an answer. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I rarely respond or acknowledge people that tweet me those, can you ask this? Can you ask that type questions? Uh, so there you go. Um, Tactile is a good word. Yes, Chris, definitely tactile is certainly accurate uh, and certainly would use that. Um, Maximus says, Ty Tom, would you, uh, who would be your number one target for the striker role and why? This is considering Tony is not. 
it's difficult, Maximus. You've asked me this before, and I answered this in the same way, and I'm going to answer it in the same way now. Ask me this question in the summer, because the summer is when we're going to have uh, a striker to look at. And so I need the rest of this season to assess what players are on the rise, what players have had a good season, what players I think are best suited, what players have had you know, strong campaigns in certain positions and shown certain characteristics and qualities. So you've asked this question before, and I'll answer it in the same way that I asked or answered it last time. Ask me in the summer, because uh, that's when we're going to be buying a striker. So I'll be much better positioned to do that. Uh, Chris says, uh, Tom, is it time Trossard started for us at striker and it was a mainstay until Gabby is a backup to full fitness? Eddie must be dropped. Why can't Arteta see this? Probably because he's delivered on a number of occasions and Trossard has also not necessarily delivered on numerous occasions. Also, it's not like there's any guarantees that Trossard gives you over Nketiah. I would start uh, Trossard tonight because I think if is out tonight and maybe out on Saturday, I'd rather that we had Trossard ready for that Premier League game with some minutes in the centre-forward role. It could be Havertz. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. So, yeah, let's let's wait and see. Um Right, let's go to Reckland Dice, uh, who joined me for one of the uh, phone-in shows, which was fantastic to speak to. Uh, Tom, hand on heart, do you see Big Gabby staying here for the next two years? Unfortunately, I see him and Rambo as the next Tierneys. Interesting point. Rambo certainly looks like the next Tierney, doesn't he, with his situation? Gabriel? I mean, there's an indication at the start of the season when he was dropped for the first three games. There was a lot of talk about Saudi Arabia, of course, during that period. Um, I think that there is a chance. I'm not going to rule it out entirely that we could see Arteta try and find something to to upgrade on on Gabriel. Um, but I, he does rate the guy incredibly highly. Uh, he, you know, he really does lean on Gabriel a lot um, for those for those types of of big games for the physical battles. Uh, and most consistently, he's one of our most consistent starters behind Bakaya Saka. I think he held the record for the most consistent Premier League starts until the start of this season in the current Arsenal squad. So, um, yeah, he's always been relied upon by Arteta. So I guess we'll have to wait and see if that uh, is expected to, to continue. And Seb points out that the Gabriel Sleeper partnership is too important. And I agree. They are exceptional partners of one another in the defence. Uh, LMS Live says Arteta Defo knows that we need to add to the midfield. And I've got a feeling that he won't add to the strikers in January. And again, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment with things as well. Uh, Chris says, hi, Tom. Do you think there is a reason uh, or varied reasons why players like Trossard are great off the bench but are not seeming to deliver when they're given starts? It's a really solid question because Trossard at Brighton did excel uh, when he started. He scored plenty of goals. He got plenty of assists when he was starting games at Brighton. He wasn't usually a sub for Brighton, but he has mainly been a sub for Arsenal. Maybe he does thrive in an environment where the players are more tired when he comes onto the field, uh, can assess the game off it before making a uh, you know making a start into it. But he has started plenty of games and had impacts in it as well. I remember when he was starting those games at centre-forward, like you think about the game against Fulham last season. It was excellent in that game. Really, really strong in that game from the start. Three assists. He was combining with Martinelli really, really well, drifting out to the left-hand side. Martinelli was moving centrally. I hope we see a little bit more of that tonight. Um, so, yeah, I think... Um, it, I don't know if there's a like a, an obvious answer. Um, just that stylistically, he might suit things off the bench a little bit more. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that we will have to wait and see. Um, Olu says, hey, Tom, pick one. Avoid injuries to key players to the end of the season or sign Neto and the injury issues persist. Oh, avoid, avoid injuries, without a doubt. I think we've got a squad that if we don't have injuries can compete comfortably. The problem is, is that we keep getting these injuries. So, yeah, avoid injuries. It's, a, it's an easy one. That one. Um, Rancy says, do we need still the Zinni next season? Timber is coming back and Tommy is doing a great job at left back. Yes, Rancy, because I think there is scope for Zinchenko to play in midfield and you can't sign loads of players as good as Zinchenko. So if you can convert him to a midfielder, I think you've got a really good asset potentially for us for next season as well. Um, Patrick says, looking back, how crazy was it to play Partey right back and drop Gabriel for the first two games, particularly after how well we played against City in the Community Shield? The manager was doing weird things. I mean, didn't we win those first two games? We beat Forest, we beat Palace, and Partey played there in both both games. I know that we drew the game against Fulham, but I certainly didn't think that was down to Partey. I know some people say that, well, Partey's positioning meant that we made that mistake at the start, but I think it's just a bad pass from Saka and then a very fluky finish from Andreas Pereira. So, um, 
No, I, I don't think it's crazy, especially because we talked about the metrics also being very improved for both the team and for Partey based on last season's average. So I don't think it was crazy, but I'm certainly happy that we're, you know, that we're continuing in more of our traditional format uh, at the moment. But I can't, you know, a lot of people turn around and said, oh, you know, we're not playing as well because we've got Partey at right back. And yet we're now eight Premier League games further into the season, having played Ben White at right back for the majority of them, if not all of them. And I still see people complaining about the way that we're playing. So clearly that wasn't the crux of the issue. Clearly going back to Ben White at right back and Saliba at right side of centre back and Gabriel coming in hasn't solved the issue because we're still complaining about our, fluid, our fluidity. We're still complaining about how seamless it is to attack and how effective and efficient we are in our forward line. So I'd, sure, there's question marks about why we did that, but we won games, we were unbeaten and we've lost games not doing that. So, yeah, I don't think it's as clear-cut as, as perhaps that we think that it is. Um, better the devil you know the devil you don't. Avoid injury, says Jimbo. Absolutely agree. Uh, and where do you see us in the next five to ten years? Tough question, isn't it? I hope that we see ourselves where we are, you know, competing for titles. I think a lot of people obviously want to see us win. I hope that we're obviously winning titles. But my minimum expectation for Arsenal is that we compete. That's what that's what you have to expect in a Premier League setting where you've got Manchester City, where you've got Manchester United, when you've got Chelsea, when you've got Spurs, when you've got Liverpool, when you've got Newcastle and Brighton, Aston Villa pushing, when you've got one of the toughest competitions in the world. And in Europe, you've got Real Madrid and you've got Bayern Munich and you've got Barcelona and you've got other clubs that have, have got far in those competitions as well. Manchester City, of course, and all those teams that we just mentioned. If your expectation is to win trophies... I always say that I think that that's a little bit unre unrealistic because there is so many top, top teams. My expectation is to compete for them and to continue progressing. As soon as we start regressing, then I'm not happy. You know, I want to see Arsenal in the Champions League every season. I want to see Arsenal competing for the title every single season. So as long as we have competed for the title and competed for those trophies over the next five to ten years, and hopefully we pick some up along the way as well, you know, that is what the expectation in this foot in, in this sport is from an Arsenal perspective for me. There's always going to be serious obstacles, serious challenges like what exists in the world with, with Manchester City being what they are and arguably what we will see in the continual investment in the likes of Newcastle that we may not be able to match. And while those challenges exist, continuing my expectation is to be competing on all fronts as much as we can to improve the squad, to continue developing the squad, to and continue developing young players, to bring more young players through the youth academy, to sign some of the best talent in the world and sign some of the best burgeoning talent in the world. That has got to be Arsenal's aim, continually moving forwards. And if Arteta falls away from that and he starts to regress, then you make a decision then. But all we've done under Arteta is progress towards a place where a lot of people never expected him to be able to get us. Um, and that's right at the start of his managerial career where he's still learning on uh, in his role as well. Uh, at a very young age. So I think that there's plenty of reasons to be excited if you're an Arsenal fan. Plenty of reasons. Um, Maximius says, Tom, there's never a good time to get injured, but this is as good a time as any to allow those players with their little niggles to get a rest and recover. Do you agree? It helps us to warm up the players on the bench. Yeah, I mean, always, if you're going to have an injury that's a short term, you want it to happen right before an international break. Yeah, that helps. We've also got a really good promising run of games coming up as well. But I would say that, you know, I'd much rather have those players available. Um, and there's no easy game in the Premier League. I know people might say Burnley are terrible. I know people said that Sheffield United are awful. But, you know, Sheffield United nearly took points off City and Man United and Spurs. And we battered them, of course. So it looked great. But there's no easy game. And so hopefully with the players back for Burnley, hopefully we have them back for Wolves for Brentford, who beat, you know, Man City last season and um, beat uh, this season Chelsea away from home. You know, so... We've got some tough games still, even though there's a favourable games compared to what we've had. We still need to win them. I mean, arguably, there's more pressure on these games because you have to win them. They are must-win matches. Newcastle away, you can say is a must-win like any other Premier League game. But if you don't win against Newcastle, there is an element of understanding because of what happened in that game and also because of your opponent and also because of where you are uh, in terms of the stadium that you're in. But... You have to beat Burnley. You have to beat Wolves. You have to beat Brentford. You have to beat Luton. You have to beat Aston Villa. And when we go to Anfield on the 23rd of December, we may not have to win that game um, in the sense of like Arsenal can still win a title having not won at Anfield for sure. Loads of teams win titles that don't win at Anfield. But 
to get a result there would be an amazing achievement, of course, better than we could do last season. Hopefully we are in a position to be able to do that. So let's let's see if we can, shall we? Um, okay, uh, let's go to Alex's Tom. Do you support the English teams in Europe? No, no, I, I never have understood that. I just, the whole, oh, Man City in the final against Inter Milan. So I must want Man City to win because I'm English. No. I wanted Inter Milan to absolutely batter them. Um, I, I have no time for that at all. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, why would I want another team to win something? And you know, I, our, a footballism, a footballification, if you like, of the support, the, the, the rivals between clubs. Arsenal used to just battle between themselves, and to an extent, we still do, but no, nowhere near the extent that we used to during the Arsene Wenger period. I, I didn't even think about Chelsea fans or Man United fans or Liverpool fans at the end of the Arsene Wenger period. All that I was thinking about was arguments and debates between Arsenal fans. And Mikel Arteta has taken us away from that to a massive extent. We don't, you know, it's not over. We still certainly have debates and arguments and there's still a contingent of extremists in the Arsenal fan base as well that obviously are very much Arteta out and say it in a very vocal and horrific way. But... There is a small minority and the majority of arguments online now come between us and, you know, away, uh, rival fans, which is what it should be. You know, what it should be, really. You should be, if you're in an argument in football, it should be with your rival. It shouldn't be within your own group. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I told you that stat that there was a, a survey done on what 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 club do Arsenal fans, fans uh, find other fans most intimidating and they voted for themselves. The only team in the Premier League to vote in that survey for themselves. So, uh, yeah, very, very interesting uh, information indeed. Um, recommend us, Tom, on a scale of 0, 1 to 10, how happy were you for Dortmund last night? About a 10, mate. About a 10. I was absolutely buzzing to see Newcastle drop points in that game and potentially no longer progress in the Champions League. I was over the moon um, with that result. So, yeah, it's interesting, actually. I mean, we should probably take a look, I suppose, at the UEFA Champions League groups and results after yesterday's games. I didn't cover it in part one. We are involved in this competition, so I suppose it's all... Uh, good and well that we have a look at it. Um, so Dortmund beat Newcastle 2-0. Shakhtar Donetsk beat Barcelona 1-0. Very impressive result that. Lazio beat Feyenoord 1-0. Porto beat Antwerp 2-0. Manchester City beat a 10-man Young Boys 3-0. Uh, and Milan beat PSG. Very impressively 2-1. Olivier Giroud with the winning goal in that game. Very impressive goal and a very Giroud-esque goal if you haven't seen it. He almost got another and set up the first goal with a uh, with a rebound as well. Very impressive performance from him. He'll be going to the World Cup once again and continuing to break records with the French national side. Atletico Madrid won 6-0 against Celtic in a game that if you've not seen, I recommend you go and watch it because it contains some of the best goals that you'll see in a Champions League from a single game. And Svenish Vesda uh, lost 2-1 to RB Leipzig uh, to allow both Leipzig and Manchester City to progress. So looking at the groups as they are, after those games, Atletico Madrid top of their Group E on eight points. Lazio on seven, final on six. Celtic very much looking like they're going to be out of things. If not, I think they may even be out already. Um, <laughs> it depends on the head-to-head record, but they're on one point. Uh, group F, Dortmund now top. Amazing how that's spun around. Newcastle actually started this whole campaign in Group F on top. They're now bottom. Dortmund on seven points. PSG on six points. Milan on five points. Newcastle on four points. Newcastle have to go to PSG and they host AC Milan, Dortmund, uh, of course, still have to play PSG and Milan as well. Very interesting, that Group F. Group G, Man City are through on 12 points. I'll be Leipzig are also through on nine points. It's now just down to who will top the group. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, Svenish Fezda, you'd think, between them and Young Boys, probably the best place to, to progress to uh, the Europa League. And then in Group H, Barcelona on nine points. Same with Porto, also on nine points. Shakhtar Donetsk kept themselves very much in it with their win over Barcelona on six points. So... Very interesting indeed. You've got to give it up to, to Shadzar Jeanettes. They're playing in every single game for them is away from home. Um, and it's amazing to see them still flourishing and, and doing and pulling off results like they did uh, against uh, Barcelona last night. And Xavi Simmons and them, yeah, absolute baller. That RB Leipzig goal, another fantastic goal. Again, very, very gutted that he wasn't the player that we tried to sign. I know PSG had that buyback clause, um, but I would have loved to have gone to PSV and been like, look, here's a lot of money. He's 40 million quid. We'll take Xavi Simmons off your hands. I would have loved to have seen him come in instead of Kai Havertz. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, Mark says, I think our greatest need, apart from a sack of backup, is in the midfield. Who would you want us to look at in January? And what's your bet on whether Partey stays? 
through the season. I think Partey will stay. I don't buy too much into these reports suggesting he wants out or that Juventus are going to buy him in January. I don't think there's too much credibility in those at the moment. Uh, I've, certainly, I've heard that, you know, I, I don't really know. The things I'm hearing is that we don't really know where these links about Partey wanting to leave are coming from. Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting indeed. Um, let's go. To, and obviously, on the midfielder-wise, Yusuf Afana uh, is the player. Uh, that uh, that I would love to see Arsenal sign as a midfielder for that box-to-box position. Uh, LMS says, due to Partey's injuries, I think it's key that we buy a centre midfielder who can play six and eight, just in case Rice is out of for any reason. Again, Fafana, I think, is the best option uh, if that comes down to it. Um, Rob Bob says, uh, do you think Arsenal fans especially have an unrealistic view of success? People on YouTube saying silverware and at least second this year, otherwise Arteta out or out now even do you uh, do other fans do this other fans do this yeah uh, in the most extreme ends of the spectrum those fans will be saying things about their managers um as well you know liverpool fans had a period of one in Jurgen Klopp out despite all the success that he's had um a success is subjective you know it's personal whatever you think success is is down to you i can't tell you that you're wrong about what success is. I can tell you that I think that success is something else according to what I would view it, but it's a subjective term. I think from an Arsenal perspective, um, achieving this season is is if Manchester City fall out of a competition, we should be disappointed that we didn't go further in one of those tournaments. And that's why I'm disappointed that we got knocked out of the Carabao Cup. I think it was a competition that maybe we could have won. I'm not the biggest fan of the competition. And, you know, I didn't exactly, I wasn't like, crying about being out of it you know because i think there are plenty of benefits of not being in that competition but with man city out of it with spurs out of it with man united out of it there was a real good uh, you know a real good chance to to potentially grab that trophy so not to get it was a real shame and not to progress past a team that we should have beaten was a real shame um but in the premier league for me we only should be finishing behind man city really um liverpool have looked good sure and spurs look good sure although they didn't look very good at Chelsea, and I enjoyed it very much. Uh, really, we should only be behind Manchester City in terms of the table this season because I think we have the best squad. But there is also lots of context to that. You could get to the end of the season having lost the majority of your players like we continue to be doing. You know, we, we are without a striker at the moment. Both of them are injured without our starting midfielder because Partey is out injured. Without our new brand new fullback that looked to be a brilliant addition in Yuri and Timber, our, start, our captain is out and has been out for a little while and continues to be out. We've lost Martinelli at times. We lost Saka for a game against Man City that we still won. You know, so I do think that it's all about looking back on a season. I think it's very, very unrealistic to look at things in the in the now, in the present. Uh, unless Arsenal are continuing to lose games over and over and over again, which they've only lost one in the Premier League all season, you know, I think you have to be retrospective when looking back at a season in that case. I think, obviously, you can be more proactive like we was when Unai Emery was sacked. That was absolutely the right decision, if arguably it came too late, uh, because things were going backwards. You know, we were slipping away. The, the dressing room was fracturing. And he couldn't arrest the slide. And we needed to make a decision then. That's nowhere near to where we've been uh, with Arteta. I always find the whole you know, Unai Emery wasn't given the same chances that Arteta was. I find it kind of ludicrous. I think it, it, it ignores a hell of a lot of context. I think it ignores... It's, it's very selective in what it discusses. So, yeah. Um, that's, that's, that is what it is, uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, Amira says, I know that we're all complaining about our lack of fluidity right now. Um, but didn't we also say that starting the same eleven for the first half of the season again would be unsustainable? And now we have injuries. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be roadblocks and obstacles along the way. It's about how you deal with that. Do we have the depth to deal with that? There's no no one can say Arsenal are short. Arsenal have a 25 man squad. We're not short. What we are is that we don't. We are we lack more strength in depth. Uh, that's what we lack still. We have a couple of we're a couple of signings. It always feels like we're a couple of signings away when you know being there. And I think actually for the first time, really, we are you know a couple of signings, two or three away from being where we want to be in terms of quality. But it's about how realistically can we we build that squad and have we made a mistake with with Havertz? I I don't know yet. It's I can't I haven't got a conclusion. I need more evidence at the moment. I've got concerns. But the Newcastle game gave me plenty of encouragement with that performance. But I need to see more from Havertz. Um, but I know some people are already making up their minds and you're entitled to do that if you want. But I would still encourage patience and wait until the end of the season. I always have my two-season rule and uh, I will stick by that two-season rule. But 
it doesn't stop me from wanting to sign players still and to make that challenge even harder to succeed in those two years if indeed we get the opportunity to do that. Um, Reckless Dice is sidetracked. I could hear Van der Ven's hamstring pop all the way back from Boston. Um, yeah, horrific injury when you tear a hamstring. Um, arguably, apparently one of the most painful, if not the most painful injury any athlete can suffer uh, is, is ripping their hamstring. So... Uh, I, whether or not he spurs, I hope that um, you know. I hope that he's he's recovering because uh, I don't want to wish injury on on to anyone. Uh, Reckland Dice continues by saying, "Tom, I can't lie. Uh, this uh, I can't lie to you. Decided to swerve all the non-Arsenal podcasts this week. I knew that they would be deeply unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, um, I, sometimes it's very difficult to. I have a lot of time for a lot of pundits, a lot of journalists, a lot of uh, podcasts and stuff. But it is it is difficult when you read." um things from people that you respect highly um i really didn't enjoy barry glendening's tweet so after the weekend um and i have a lot of respect for barry and i like a lot of his content and you know his contributions to uh, the guardians football weekly show but i didn't like a lot of the tweets that came out from him you know uh, last summer uh, i i have spoken to andy naylor i've had andy naylor on the channel from the athletic but i didn't enjoy his coverage or rather in january rather i didn't enjoy his coverage of arsenal's chase of caicedo i didn't enjoy it at all um and it's personal opinion you know these you know, i might not agree with the views doesn't mean that they're not nice people um i just you know sometimes it's difficult to to you know involve yourself in things or you're, you're, you're struggling to agree with what's being said so i don't blame you for swerving uh some things either it's been very very difficult to to read and listen to some stuff i mean when richard keys comes out and defends arteta the world's gone mad <laughs> the world has gone very mad when that happens so uh yeah I can completely empathise with your view. Right, we're going to end the show there. Um, it's been a little bit of a longer one today. I did shorter yesterday, so we've gone longer this morning. Um, stay positive, people. Stay enjoying yourselves. As I say, always have something outside of Arsenal to, to you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Bring up your day in some other way. But we've got a match to worry about this evening. We've got a match to worry about against Sevilla. Hopefully Arsenal get a result. I'm going to be up at the Emirates a little bit later on today. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing people. Uh, I can't wait to see uh, Dilly and her husband from uh, the Chicago Gooners who have flown over for the game as well. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, always great to see fans to, uh, from abroad fly over and, and get involved in the Arsenal uh, fandom and the experience of the day. So, And then, of course, getting down to the Emirates to... To, to watch the game it's going to be great uh, thank you so much guys for tuning in it's very much appreciated do drop a like subscribe and uh, yeah maybe we'll have a phone in show in the next week or so I know that Darren was asking earlier hopefully we'll be able to do that with you guys have a great day people and as always up the Arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.